0: Church. How did you do? Hello. My name's Jim Shackleton, like the screen says. Uh, I'm the location pastor over in Winsocket. I've been stationed there for five years. I love it, and I kind of already miss him a little bit, but I'm here, and I'm glad, and I'm honored, and I'm glad you're with us online. I'm glad you're with us in any one of our locations. I'm, I'm glad you're here with us in this space this morning, So listen, why don't we all just welcome everybody here. Welcome online. Welcome locations. So this is a big year for my wife and I. Uh, This year, in May, it marks 15 years we've been married. One five, yeah. It's good. And you know, I've I've been thinking a lot about our wedding day. It was pretty much the best wedding ever, sorry. Everyone that's married, yours is subpar to mine. Um, Hours, <laughs> I mean, ours, not my wedding, okay. So, married men, you understand. Um, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it, you know, thinking about the wedding day, thinking about weddings I've been to, you know, that I've, I've attended, and you know, the Lord's just kind of been showing me a little bit, like, through our own wedding and through weddings that I've attended, he's, he's been showing me, you know, it's all about celebrating, celebrating the couple, you know, that's... It's making a commitment, a covenant commitment, if they're in Christ, to each other, to be married. You know, and there's a bunch of different ways that we celebrate that. There's a bunch of different ways that we prepare for it. You know, we uh, we buy a gift, right? Maybe not the night before, but sometimes the night before. Yeah, uh, we we get all pretty and dazzled up, right? I mean, man, it's okay to want to wear a bow tie and go shopping for one. Okay, so uh, you know, we we support. And we witness the union of what God has brought together. And that's how we celebrate those two at the front of the the ceremony, you know. And then there's the rice or the confetti or whatever they do, smoke bombs nowadays. I don't know what they do. Uh, You know, there's food, there's music, there's, there's all of it. And, you know, what the Lord was showing to me was, you know, what it really means to celebrate those two, those two being married. You know, and what it really means... You know, it's not about, you know, the dry chicken at, the, at dinner, you know? It's, it's not about, you know, what I think about the ceremony. When I'm there, nothing else matters. When I'm really there to celebrate what God has brought together in marriage, nothing, it doesn't matter how hot it is, outside, inside, if the rains are coming, if they're cloudy, if they're not cloudy, doesn't matter to me what colors, or in the wedding, doesn't doesn't matter to me how uncomfortable I am in this chair, or why do I gotta stand so long, none of that matters. Because I'm just happy. Amen. I'm happy to be there to celebrate the two that are being married. You know, and God also said, well, what about when, you know, Jim, because I haven't always really been there to celebrate people, because I'm a little stuffy sometimes, right, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, the chicken's too dry, the music isn't what I like, you know, I'm sweating too much. Uh, You know, oops, I'm wearing the wrong colors. You know, all these other things that distract you from really celebrating the two that are being united together. You know, and I see a lot of similarities between wedding and praising God. I see a lot of similarities into it. And I believe what the Lord's been teaching me, he's been teaching me what it means to really praise him. To really praise him. Just like really celebrate the wedding. You know, not just with music, not just with song. It's great, and I love it. And the band here and the band in our locations, man, God has anointed these people. But to praise him outside of those times, to praise him with my life. You know, uh, Psalm 103, that's what we're going to be reading here in just a, a minute. This psalm is all about praising the Lord, all about it. And Christian, I mean, maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but by the end of today, hopefully you'll know it. Um, This scripture, if it doesn't like stir a fire in the seat of your pants to praise the Lord, come up for prayer after service. Okay? You know, I mean, this psalm is just like you read this and you're like, man, this is juicy stuff. Uh, It's all about praising God. You know, Psalm 103 was written by David. And this is really important. It's really important for a lot of different reasons. And it's really encouraging that the Bible has this scripture written by David. David was a wee little shepherd boy, wee little shepherd boy with a bunch of older brothers. And someone came to his father's house one day and said, your son's gonna, one of your sons is going to be a king. And so what's his dad do? Brings David front and center. No, he forgets and neglects David out in the shepherd field. Didn't even bring him in. And then he is brought in and and he's he's appointed, named and and anointed, you're the king of Israel. And then, you know, he wasn't like establishing that yet, but he brought food to his brothers that were at war, at army with with the enemy. He brought food to them. And what's his brother do? Thanks, David, you're the best. No, he shames them. He says, you're here for all the wrong reasons. Get out of here, you selfish little guy. And at that battle, that's the same battle that David slew the giant that no one else was brave enough to go slay this is the author of Psalm 103. The author of Psalm 103, David, he is the one that God said he would, that God would establish as a great king over Israel. David, the author of this, is the one that was adulterer and then murdered the husband and tried to cover it all up. Good old organized crime. He was the kingpin. That's the author of Psalm 103. Psalm 103, he also had many victories and battles against his, his enemies. That's one way that God established him as a great king over Israel. And David, man, David has the stamp that none of us have by God. God says about David, he's a man after my own heart. That's the author, Psalm 103. This is all important. It's all encouraging. Why is it encouraging? Because when we, when we know who the author is, the Lord shows that God can use anybody. Anybody. It doesn't matter your checkered past, Christian. God has rescued you from it. He's separated you from it. It's time you separate yourself from it. God can use anyone. If he couldn't, then we wouldn't have Psalm 103 and a bunch of other Psalms. Because all he would do is reign over and hold over, put his thumb on on David and say, oh, you adulterer, oh, you murderer, oh, you organized crime kingpin that covers things up. But the God of the Bible doesn't do that. Non-Christian, I'm glad you're here. I am glad you're here, aren't we? I'm glad you're at any of one of our locations or online. You could have been anywhere, but you're here. You're logged in. You're at one of our locations to hear about Jesus. Thank you. And non-Christian, let me tell you something, checkered pass or not. God can rescue you. God can rescue you. See, there's this guy, Paul, in the Bible. We know him as Paul, but before that, he was Saul. Saul was a nasty dude. A nasty dude. He was outside of Christ. That means he was part of another religion. And guess what? One of those things that he was really good at. He was really good at persecuting Christians to the point of murder. That's who Saul was. But God can rescue anyone. And God did that just to Saul. He stopped him dead in his tracks, spoke to him, gave him a purpose and a call on his life. And now most of the the New Testament are letters written by Paul to the churches that he started So let me tell you, that's yet to believe. God can transform you. He can, he still does. Our God still rescues. Our God still delivers. Our God still forgives. The God of the Bible is alive. David, back to David, Psalm 103. This is also really cool when we read this scripture because David knew low lows and high highs in life, and everything in between. That's the author of this scripture we're going to read. R- research shows that Psalm 103 was written in David's uh, later years of his life. That's also critical. Because now, uh, according to Waters Church, I'm old. Because I'm part of the engage bracket. 36 plus. Not waist size. I mean that too. But, you know, age. Okay? Yeah. 36 and old. Now we're old. So when I say old, I'm not talking at old. I'm talking with old. Amen? Yeah? Okay? Okay? Old generation w- wants to give to new generation. Give something. Yeah. Something. Wisdom, knowledge, money, success, you name it. Old, us old people, we like to give to the younger generation. And so that's important because if David is writing this in his older years, it's like the one thing he wants to pass on to the younger generation is to praise the Lord. That's the message. That's his message in 103. There are plenty of reasons to praise God. So that's where I get this title from for this message is learn from history otherwise, we're doomed to repeat it. We've heard this before? Yes, yes, thank you online. I know you've hit the chat up more than I got here. So anyways, we're doomed If we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. David's message is, if you don't learn from David history on how to praise the Lord, you're doomed to repeat the ways you praise this world. That's this lesson here. Praising God is great. I love to worship with my brothers and sisters. I love to sing songs with them. I love to hear the work of the Lord in my brother and sister's lives. I love to hear their victories. I love to hear them because then when I see them praising the Lord... In the midst of it, it encourages my soul. Praising the Lord is great. I think one of the things bad that corporate church America has done is categorize worship as a time of a service. This is the time to worship God now. This is the time to praise God at the praise service. This is the time right now To praise and worship God. What am I doing right now? Am I not praising and worship God when I bring the word? I am. So it starts before the music. The music's fun. And it continues after the music. You see, praising God takes many forms. Song and music, one. Thank God that there's other people louder than me because I'm no musician. Amen? Get a little amen for my brothers and sisters that can't sing either? Thank you. Okay. So... Anytime we exalt Jesus, we glorify him with our life, we praise God. Anytime we exalt and praise Jesus, we're praising God. The time here to corporately come together as a community of believers, we come together to say, this Jesus is exalted high in all of our lives and we wanna sing and praise to him you know, the joys of our hearts for everything he has already done and everything he will do already, just for who he is. That's what this corporate praise and worship is to song and music. That's what we do. That's why we do it, because he's unshakable, because he's the consistency in our, in our roller coaster life like this, that God has never left or forsaken his people, his church. And what better reason to praise him what we don't do is focus on the dry chicken. Like at the wedding. We don't focus on you know, the lights and the music. We don't focus on those things. Because when all that fades, guess who's still around? Jesus. Guess who still rescued you? Guess who continues to rescue you? Jesus. Jesus. See, worshiping God is not done at a certain time. It's done with your life. It's done with your life. Romans, the guy Paul I just spoke about, the nasty, murdering guy that was Saul, he's converted to Paul. He establishes all these churches, and this is a part of a letter in Romans that he writes to the church there. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship I'm going to do a shameless plug here for Tim I didn't he didn't ask me to but there's a Tim Hatch live season 5 episode 24 that has a very thorough breakdown of this very scripture you need to go watch it you need to because this is saying that that our true our, our appropriate worship is our body our whole body my life not just my mouth not just my hands my wallet my hands, my feet, the words I speak, my family, all of it, all of it is appropriate worship to God. So let's stand together, stand at all of our locations. We're gonna read Psalm 103. So if you got a paper Bible, open it on up or scroll if it's electronic or I think they'll have the the verses up here, but we're gonna go to Psalm 103. It goes like this, bless the Lord, O my soul, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, in steadfast love he does not always chide nor uh, will he keep his anger forever he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities for he has for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us as far as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Verse 15 says, As for man, his, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And it, its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness. To children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O oh, you his angels, you mighty ones who, who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, ministers who do your will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I submit everything prepared to you, and Holy Spirit, I ask that you lead and guide these next few moments. And Jesus, we just want to see you. So Holy Spirit, please reveal Jesus to us. In your precious name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So reasons to praise God, I got 14 reasons. You ready? Saddle up, I'm kidding. Uh, there's, but when we look at these, I really do have 14 reasons, but we read through the scripture, reasons to praise God. Praise him for everything he gives us. Praise him for my job. Praise him for my paycheck. Praise him for my children. No, let's read what what David is teaching us to praise God for. He forgives. He heals. He redeems me from the pit, from death. He crowns me with love and mercy. He satisfies. He fills me. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He's, He's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't constantly accuse. He doesn't deal with us as we deserve, he removes our transgressions. He's compassionate. And One of my favorite, his throne is established in heaven. His throne is established in heaven. Real praise is what I wanna chat about. And it's not about real praise happens when you lift your hands, real praise happens when you cry, real praise happens when you get on your knees, real praise happens when you memorize all the words of the song so you can do all that freely, mindlessly. No, real praise, what what David is telling us goes far deeper than the outward and it's all inward. That's where it begins, that's where it begins. Real praise begins when I approach God with humility. Real praise begins when I approach God with humility and we see that in the first five Psalms. David says, David says, let all that I am praise the Lord, my whole heart, I will praise his holy name, let all that I am praise the Lord and I'm so glad that he says this next part, may I never forget the good things he's does for me. Let's be real, sometimes it's hard to praise God because we're so focused on all the bad things and we've forgotten or we've chosen to not focus on what God has done for us. I'm guilty of that. And that's part of what God's teaching me. So David, it's like the Holy Spirit knew that there'd be more than just me that struggles with that. And David just starts listing off things after that statement. May I never forget the good things he does to me. He forgives all my sins. He heals my diseases. He he redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. Man, you ever find your place not knowing when or how to praise God? Read those, those three verses because it's a reminder from David. When everything around you can't stir your spirit, God will. See, it's a call for praise. David's true desire is to really praise God. That's what he started for. with. Let all that I am praise the Lord. My whole heart, let all that I am praise the Lord. That's what he wants. And the next three is David stirring his own spirit to do that. To do that. You see... Really praising God and being humble, you know, it starts with knowing your pr- your place in worship. Knowing your place in worship. I'm not the shot caller. Just like at the wedding, I don't. I'm not the shot caller of a wedding. When I join and when I when I go there to support the two being wed, I'm a participant in what's going on, not the one that gets to call what's going on. And it's the same with the Lord. I'm not the shock caller. I'm not. This text shows us what we need and what he gives. It shows us what we bring. I have been and I need to be forgiven. I need healing. I'm the dead one that needs to be rescued. I'm the one with no life that needs a breath of life. He, God, is the one that provides the crown of love, the crown of mercy. God is the one that fills me with good. I don't bring good praise to God. I bring a need to be rescued. I bring words as though that is sufficient to praise God for everything he has done for me. I have to prepare my heart and my spirit the same way David has. It's my responsibility to stir my spirit, to worship God with my life. It's not Pastor Tim's responsibility to stir your spirit. It's not the band's responsibility to stir your spirit. It's not your wife or your husband's job to stir your spirit to praise the Lord or your children's job to stir your spirit to praise the Lord. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. That's what David is showing. I want to praise the Lord with everything I've got. And he's not quoting someone screaming at him. He's quoting the Bible. He's quoting his desire that he has forgiven me. David is stirring his own spirit to praise the Lord. In humility, he comes because he has a checkered past according to the world. According to God, though, there is no checkered past because he removes it as far as the east is from the west. His grace is as, as far as the heavens are from the earth. Stop focusing on your checkered past, Christian. God has. Proverbs 3, the Lord mocks the mockers, but the grace, but is gracious to the humble or to the human. To the humility. Proverbs eleven: When pride comes, then gr- then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You want to know you want you want to know how to really praise God. That's why it starts with humility, because this says when you come to Him in humility to praise Him, then comes wisdom. Let the Lord deliver His wisdom to you about praising Him, and let it begin with a humble spirit of humility. Number two, real praise is freeing when I'm unrestrained in praising God, when I'm unrestrained in praising God. This author of 103 is David. David was the king of Israel. God made him a great king of Israel. David brought the Ark of the Covenant of God to his city, okay, it was big deal, big deal. David knows how to throw down a party. He got 30,000 men to come with him to get that Ark of the Covenant of God and bring it to his city. 30,000 men. 30,000. And you think that they came to the city where David was and got an empty door open to them? No, there's probably a whole, whole thing going on. And then did one of David's men here, he, he saw that the Ark of the Covenant of God was going to fall off the way that they were carrying it. So out of his good gracious, out of his good intentions, he goes to touch the Ark of the Covenant of God so it wouldn't fall down. And God struck him dead right there because it was against the commands of how to handle the Ark of the Covenant of God. And David, from there, was afraid to bring the Ark to his city. And he said, no, no, put it over there. And so that's where it was for three months somebody comes and tells David all the good, all the blessing that has come to that city for three months where the ark of the covenant of God was. And David says, I'm gonna go get that. Let's go bring it here. And he does. But what does he do it in? Humility, humble heart. Humility and humble heart. And we know that it was a to-do, an unrestrained celebration Because after he celebrates, uh, you know, by dancing and jumping and leaping around in the streets because the Ark of the Covenant of God is here, which, let me put that in perspective. Let's look to our national king and imagine him dancing and leaping in the streets in celebration of something. That's how weird it was that David was doing it. And we know that it was weird because he goes home to bless his home after that and his wife is there. He's like, what are you doing? You should be ashamed of yourself. And he goes, no, woman, it wasn't for you. It was for my Lord. I'll be more undignified than that in my praise. He's unrestrained. He doesn't care who's with him or what they judge or what his wife thinks about how he praises the Lord. And so when we read this next part of Psalm 103, it's a call to corporate worship, corporate praise, to praise God together as a church. And I want to I give that preface before we read it. There's a lot of all us we our. You'll hear it. Starts in verse 6 says, "The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sin. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens of the earth. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are just dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die and the wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the Lord, but the love of the Lord remains forever forever. With those who fear him, his salvation extends to the children's children. Of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules everything. And I was, I was marinating on this in my preparation, and I started reading other psalms, and there's a lot of, Of talk about in other psalms about shouting to the Lord or a joyful noise or joyful shout unto the Lord. And it really caught my eye because that's something that the Lord personally, the Lord's been bringing out in me in corporate times of worship is to just shout to the Lord in praise. And I thought, well, where else has his people shouted? And what else has God done through those shouts? We look to Jericho. What happened in Jericho? He took a savage army that only knows how to Do army things back then, tells them to walk around walls, and on the last day, charge with spears and fire. No, shout to the Lord. And then what happened? Walls came tumbling down, and there was victory. For whom? For God's people. Then we look to Gideon, and Gideon had this massive army, but it wasn't big enough to go against his enemy army, and God dwindled it all down to 300. And what's he tell Gideon? Run for the hills, you're not big enough. No, he tells Gideon, bring your torches, bring your pottery to smash and shout to the Lord. And what happens? They do it and the Lord causes confusion on the enemy and the enemy starts killing each other and they get so fearful and then they flee from whom? God's people. So when, when David even says, shout to the Lord, I want to think he's thinking of these stories. And I want to think, shouting to the Lord, some of us need to shout to the Lord in praise. All the time. For all he has done. Because sometimes we hold back what we think is awkward, but what the Lord has is deliverance on the other side of it. What he has is freedom on the other side of it. What he has is victory that you cannot provide yourself or your situation. And how does that come through? By strapping on your boots and wading in the water and going toe-to-toe with the enemy. No, it comes by shouting to the Lord in praise for everything he has done. It starts with humility knowing that I was the dead one. I am the dead one outside of Christ. I know the pit I was in, I know who came to get me and it wasn't my wife and it wasn't my dad and it wasn't my preacher and it wasn't the worship singer, it wasn't my neighbor, it wasn't my coworker. It was Jesus that came to the pit that doesn't scare him and rescues me from that and gives me fullness of life. So how could I not shout? and say, God, you're amazing. When everyone else left me, you didn't. When I had no hope, you were my hope. How is it that we can scream at a TV with football people on it, as though we contribute to that, but we can't shout to the Lord in praise? How is it that we can shout for joy at our children's soccer games? but we can't shout to the Lord that gave us the children. How is it? I don't know, I'm working on it too. But what I'm here to tell you is that when you do it, your Jericho walls come down. When you do it, the enemy that all you saw was his nasty face in front of you, guess what you start seeing of him? You start seeing his back as he flees from you as you shout to the Lord. Psalm 95, written by David, says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 98 says this. Some think it was written by David. Some think it wasn't. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Because it says the same thing. Shout to the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth. Burst into jubilant song and music. Make music to the Lord with harp. With harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. That little sub point there is shout to the Lord and praise. And I'm telling you, the best thing that the Lord is teaching me, again, not just in music time, but when I'm in the car, direct with what life has to me. Shout to him because he's immovable, cuz he's unshakable, cuz he provides bread from heaven literal to his people in the ancient of days. How is it that he could be restrained now and not provide to me what I need? Some of you are like what I once was. More comfortable shouting in anger to God than in praise to God. And it's not the band's responsibility to stop that in you. It's my responsibility to look to the Lord and say you are worthy of so much more. So much more. Real praise, it continues. It continues when I acknowledge I need a savior to rescue me. I need it. Not just once, new Christian, when you raise your hand and confess your faith in Christ. All the time. Every day, we need to be rescued. Every single day, old Christian. I'm one of you now, so I can talk like that, remember? (laughs) When we've forgotten what the Lord has done, we've forgotten that we need to be rescued by our Savior, always, always. This whole Psalm is about a rescuer about a rescuer. If there's no rescuer of this, what does this praise? Nothing, nothing. This Psalm praises our rescuer. Without him, we really don't know how to praise God. We really don't. I need rescuing every day, every day. Let me... uh, possibly rattle your brain and tell you that Jesus is not the last piece of your puzzle. He isn't. He's not the last missing hole and void in your life that you're aware of and now you know you need Jesus to plug that hemorrhage. That's not Jesus. Jesus is the author and creator of the whole entire puzzle that we call life. He knows every single piece. He knows where it goes and when it goes there. He knows what the whole picture is before we ever even think we understand what the whole picture of our life is. You see, Jesus did not come to fill, to be the icing on the the cake of your life. He came to rescue you from the pit of destruction and death called sin. And sin is anything that separates me from God. That's the Jesus of the scripture. And I love it that scripture says he's slow to to get angry with me. And he's abounding in steadfast love. I love it. We think we know patience here on earth. (laughs) We don't. We don't. Humility. Humility. How do we get humility here in praising God to rescue us for the, for the last time? Every, you know, we, we continue, praise continues when I acknowledge a need for a savior. So how do I humbly approach that? How do, I, how do I do that with humility? You know your place in the rescuing. You're the one going under. You're the one gasping for air. You're not the life preserver. You're, not the whole, you're holding on for dear life to that life preserver. You're not the strength behind the life preserver. You and I are the ones dead and gone outside of Christ. He is the one that doesn't just throw a life preserver to you and take you out of choppy waters. He's the strength and the sustenance behind all of it. And when he gets you aboard, so to say, or gets you on shore, he doesn't just kind of kick you and say, well, dummy, don't go out so far. You were in a rip current, okay? Don't do that again. He brings you ashore and says, here is everything good I have for you. Now, the Bible says that we're saved by grace, Ephesians Again, written by Paul, remember the murderer? If he can use Paul to write this, I think he can rescue you, you online, and whatever you're in. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The book of John says this, this is Jesus talking in the book of John. Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but passes from death to life. You see, your faith in Christ and saying, yes, Jesus, I believe, that you took what I deserve on that cross. Our place in worship, our place in continuing to need a rescuer is knowing that I'm the one that deserves to be up on the cross and Jesus is deserving of shaking his finger at me, rattling off everything I did to get myself there. But the good news of Jesus is that he doesn't do that. I forget where I have it in my notes, but I have a note in there that, that, yeah, right here, sin is the accusation of God. God's accusation to us, you're sinful. But he's not like a judge of this world where he says, you're bad and now this is what you deserve. You get it now. Jesus, God says, you're a sinner. His verdict, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Freely accept the forgiveness that Jesus provides and you will have eternal life. That's what he just said. John also says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Some of you, I believe, whether you're on a location or online or in this room, you have literally been feeling like you're walking in darkness, stumbling over your toes, stubbing your toes on every end table of life. You need the light of the world. And John also says, if the son, Jesus says this, if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. You will be. Jesus continues, says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me, is what Jesus says. By faith in Christ, check this out. By faith in Christ, you can receive and know all of the things that David is talking about in Psalm 103. You can receive and know all of these things in such a manner that you really want to praise God, not just in the awesome music, but in the puzzle we call life. You see, Psalm 103 says... The rescuer provides forgiveness. The rescuer owns healing. The rescuer is compassionate. The rescuer is merciful. The rescuer is gracious. The rescuer is righteous. The rescuer has a steadfast love that this earth does not know. The rescuer provides freedom. The rescuer, Jesus Christ. Real praise is known in Christ. That little point, sub three point is Jesus is my rescuer. Jesus is. Romans says this, Romans, again, I come back to God transforms anyone. Because the raging murderer of Christians, Paul, formerly known as Saul, wrote this scripture. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How is it that someone with a checkered past like Saul and write something like that. It's because he was rescued by Jesus and set apart for his Jesus's good purposes, God's good purposes in, in Paul's life to go do miraculous things that we read about. A sermon in a sentence, because Jesus rescues me, I will always have ample reason to praise God with my life Because Jesus rescues me, I will always have ample reason to praise God with my life. So i I'm I'm come to an end here to speak to the same people I spoke to before. Christian, online in one of our locations are here. Join the club, we all have checkered pasts that God has rescued us from. Gotta let go of yours and grab onto what God has for you. And maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're outside of Christ, you haven't said, you said yes to Christ, you haven't given your life to Christ. Let me tell you, today is your day to encounter, encounter God, for him to transform you and rescue you from your pit of destruction, from your pit of sin, like he did me like he did all the Christians in this room today and online in any of our locations. So I'm going to ask all of our locations and us, let's all stand together as we, we close this, this service. And I'm going to ask you to, to bow your head, to close your eyes at all of our locations, join with us. And online, stay with us online. where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I wanna give you that option right now. If you have never called on the name of Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to to say this prayer with me. And this scripture says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is your savior, right now this prayer is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is your savior. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, join me in this prayer. You say this to, to our heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, today I know I need to be rescued. I need rescuing, God. Jesus, I believe you're my rescuer. I believe that you took my punishment on the cross and you give me your forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and compassion. Thank you for being that to me while I was still a sinner. Thank you for loving me, Christ, before I ever loved you. Jesus, today is the day that I surrender my life to you. your precious, precious name, Jesus,